Good morning. Welcome to today's WGO podcast. What's going on? So yeah, I was uh, talking to my bud, and he's for years uh, read read passages of uh, the Karl Marx uh, and Engels, Frederick Engels' book, The Communist Manifesto, which, you know, for a lot of reasons, is a has been a taboo book uh, for me. You know, out of my American experience, it's uh, you know that was the the Cold War enemy, right? It was the it was the thing that uh, the West, loosely speaking, in particular United States, uh, fought so hard about and spent so much money trying to bring down and defeat. And um, yeah, it's weird. There's a couple of books I allow myself to read. All these books, or I don't read. I listen to them on Audible. Highly recommended, by the way. If you buy books and you have kids or you're busy working, there's probably a good chance you were. You know, the, had the same ailment that I did, which is you never, ever, ever seem to be able to just sit and and and, and read effectively because of all the distractions all the time. Okay, and a quick reminder about the podcast. Bear with the background noise. I have ordered a, a different microphone to uh, minimize the the wind that you're hearing now. I, I like to do this when I'm walking. I find it to be a very effective and efficient way to do it. I, I do my morning walk. I, uh, I do it this way on my phone. It minimizes the, the gear and, and the you know, tripping over technology stuff. Uh, but the drawback is that I've started is, is the wind noise and the birds and, and the clicking of the microphone as it bangs on my shirt and stuff. Just bear with it. You know, don't, don't, don't use it as an excuse not to listen to the podcast. We're going we're gonna to really push to make things better using using this tool this podcast and, and and you know hang along for the ride don't don't be a, don't be a wuss so getting back to it the communist manifesto I, I bought a copy on audible yesterday with one of my credits um and got right into it and i didn't know that the copy that i bought had literally uh a huge analysis by someone else. I didn't catch his name on the front end. So at first I was listening, 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 and then I would get, you know, I get an hour, hour and a half into listening, and I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't sound like it was written the book. And so I, then I then I opened the, the chapters, of course, and I'm like, oh, okay, I see. There's a huge chunk of analysis that someone's slapped on the front of this, and now I've gotten into, you know, what he's already talked about a little bit, but I'm listening to actually the the translation. The English translation of the German work now, um, and, and 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 right out of the gate, without fully digesting what I'm listening to, it's a fascinating work, and, and it uh, no wonder it had such power of resonance with with so many people, um, and no wonder it, it created the movements that it did, because um, it yeah, look, it's a piece of history. It's a way to look at the affairs of man over over the long haul, and break it into, and try to understand the forces, and try to under and, and try to propose uh, solutions given what what was observed as the flaws, which was you know exploitation really, that you had um, in the mid 1800s with the industrial revolutions, you had this great rise of uh, bourgeois class, um, you know. 
versus the proletariat. So you had the guys, you know, the capitalists, if you will, that owned factories and owned uh, uh, industrial capability, and then you had everybody that worked for them that were being exploited globally. Like, like, like even if you were a guy in another country or a, lady, a woman in another country, you get you were exploited because maybe you had to dig the mine or dig the coal or break the break the this or do that, and you know. But you're part of a big, vast global system uh, that was owned by a very small one percent, if you will. They did, he didn't frame it in one percent terms, but that's. Yeah, more or less what we had today is what they were trying to, to get into and talk about and discuss the flaws of. Um, yeah. So first and foremost, because I haven't finished the book and I haven't fully processed it enough to really get into talking about it, uh, other than just generic terms, that most of terms that you've probably heard in some way, uh, in some form along the way. Uh, first and foremost, though, <clears throat> the fact that I felt that I wasn't allowed to buy it, um, or I was afraid of it. That's very strange, right? And I suspect I'm not the only one that feels like that on certain things, especially in my age, at my age. Uh, because I did come up, you know, I was in elementary school when Ronald Reagan was elected. And, I can, you know, and Reagan was, Reagan and Thatcher and Britain were, were, were credited with uh, winning the Cold War. You know, basically we... The narrative is that we spent so much on military, and we were we were so dynamic. Our economies were so dynamic, and there's a lot of reasons for that. By the way, it wasn't just military spending; it was just the human technology was changing, and a lot of things were changing. And that the 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 corruption and bureaucracy of the opposition, in this case, mostly the Soviet Union, they just fucking couldn't keep up. At some point, they went bankrupt. We bankrupted them. It was the narrative. And then the, the Berlin Wall fell, I think it was 89. And then, you know, we've kind of been living in, in the post-Cold War, War reality for, you know, most of my life. Um, so, you know, the idea of reading the Communist Manifesto was taboo. Felt wrong. Felt like I was doing something wrong. And... uh you know, it's helpful to remind yourself that you're a fucking American, okay? And we, and we think we believe, we, we our ideals, this is what makes us so special, and we need to, you know, preserve this about ourselves, is that uh, you, you, you have the, your right, the right of free speech and the right to explore. We don't book burn here. You know, we're, we're getting into a point now where people are calling things hate speech and banning and cancel culture, that stuff's pretty noxious, guys. And, it, and it's a slippery slope. Let's be careful with that. You know, we, we should be able to read and expose ourselves to stuff and then have the freedom to agree or oppose it. It shouldn't be that some arbiter or some company or some platform decides what's, you know, curates for us and, and, and it, you know, cuts off access to things. Because eventually you just end up with watered-down dog shit everywhere. <laughs> Which, frankly, is a lot of the stuff I've digested over the years. You know, used to be a newspaper guy, big newspaper guy, for a long time. And sad, it does sadden me that the hard copies of newspapers are disappearing. It saddens me. Um, because they, they felt like, you know, they used to say newspapers were the rough draft of history. And I do feel like I got a, I got a good perspective reading newspapers. I didn't read them to agree or disagree. 
I read them because I was trying to understand what was going on. That's where this title was born. WGO, what's going on, was born in the late 90s reading newspapers. Or mid late 90s reading newspapers. And, uh, yeah. So, main point I want to make with that is join me. If you can't read the physical copies, get the audibles. And listen to them. And if you want to join a book club or join a group and and explore it further, do it. But, uh, you know, don't don't lock yourself out of something because it's something you think it's about. In the Communist Manifesto, you don't have to take a time. You don't have to say, I'm a communist. You can just say, wow, this is a brilliant piece of, of philosophy. This is a useful thing to think about. Okay? And, and, you know, just for full disclosure, I'm very much advocating a whole new paradigm, a new paradigm shift that gobbles up uh, the technological gains of humanity because, or digest them. I shouldn't say gobble up because it sounds like I'm you know, trying to confiscate. No. I'm trying, trying to weave a new narrative so that we can uh, get to a little bit better place, you know, move the ball a little bit, if you will, because I just don't think the old paradigm is to hold, hold water. You've heard me rant many times about aggressive leftists. Leftadistas, I jokingly call them. I got a problem with those people. I really do. I think they're dangerous right now because they have uh, seemingly, seemingly gotten aligned with a bunch of... With, they basically seem to own the whole disgruntled demographic, which is vast, right? You got a lot of people that are pissed off and looking for a boogeyman. And, you know, this summer... It's been, it, it has been, there has been, atta- have been attacks on in global inequality, wealth inequality, one percenters, you know, you had the uh, Occupy Wall Street bullshit a couple years ago, and I want to say bullshit just because of what it turns into. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that, That's a, because I really didn't, didn't dip my head in the pond too much, because to me, as an outsider, I just saw uh, people being a pain in the ass, basically. And just it just it becomes inf- infiltrated with people that are just just anarchist, not in a good way. Um, and then they make shit worse for everybody. Maybe another way to put it. Well, this summer it's been you know BLM, and look, some of the things that, that got that in motion, you know, were, were incredibly legitimate. Okay, we can't have cops. We, we got to redo the whole cop thing. Okay, because the cops can't go around shooting people. And it is some of it very much is racially charged because these idiots that are doing that sort of thing are eking by. They were from a family that was likely eking by, and they got a chip on their shoulder too. And they're doing the boogeyman thing too. But my point was is is that we're in a time where people are looking for a boogeyman, and, and this summer it's been racial, more more uh, probably racial more than anything. But it, there seems to be a lot of this. You know, when people get into uh, immigration, for example, and illegal immigration in this country, or, uh, you know, <laughs> see, that even charged. See, people don't like illegal immigration. And they think, well, no, this was always a nation of immigrants. Yeah, absolutely. But we also have 350 million people in this country. And no, no, no one's to say about what the, the number has to be or what the cap is, 
But I can tell you, I've lived, I've been very blessed to live in several places in the country. And they all feel pretty fucking crowded to me. Even out here, I wouldn't want this to explode in population. And this, I'm in upstate New York. When I lived in Vermont, I lived in Vermont for a couple years, it felt pretty isolated, but it's a pretty small state to begin with. And it never, you know, but even that, I mean, you, you have the potential for it to catch on and turn into a pain in the ass traffic area too, around Burlington and Williston. Atlanta, my hometown, you know, it exploded in the 70s and 80s when I grew up, and I was back there in the early 90s, I was proud of it. It was, we all, we, we all went through, it, you know, as Americans, phases where we were proud of our building. You'd go back to Atlanta after being gone for a couple years, uh, and, you, and you'd come back and you'd see new towers gleaming in the skyline, and new fancy roads and, and stuff. But now, I, I don't know that I would go back there because it's just too fucking crowded. So, so, so people can't talk and lay cards out because everything's so fucking racially charged and so much bullshit going on. Okay? And now where I live, on the, on the immigration topic for just two seconds, I live in an area, in a county, on the edge of a county, where there's a vast agricultural industry, apples and fruit picking and stuff like that, that you don't see much, but I, you know, every once in a while when I go to like a Walmart or something, I'll see some of these folks that I assume are fruit pickers. They probably are. And they look like they're from, you know, Central, from Latin America. Mexico probably, could be Guatemala, Honduras, who knows? There's a lot of places that have way worse economies than ours, and those folks will, and, and, and it just increase levels of violence because of our retarded drug laws, that are continuing to be retarded, by the way. <laughs> I mean, we got legal movements, and uh, you, you people that don't uh, indulge in such things, you have no idea how retarded it really is. It's so fucking so, so so stupid, this laws. It's like five times the street price. And so you've, your black markets are still thriving. And you're not getting the tax revenues you would get. Because government fucks everything up. They really do. It, it can't help it. They become a selfish, self-serving bureaucracy that already is too big to afford itself. So it just it, So it's like charging stupid prices on stuff. But getting back to the South, it's destroyed South and Latin America because, in a lot of in a lot of places, because it's enabled these uh, vicious, fucking, super rich gangs uh, to just run buckshot. Because it's not hard when you have money and let regulation regulations loose. It ain't hard to fucking build an army, have a bunch of thugs with machine guns, and you can do a lot of fucking damage with that shit. You fucking leftists, you fashionable leftists, ought to fucking wake up. You're dancing with the devil, bro. These fucking people don't give a shit. You, you enable the wrong people with machine guns. Now you got to fight a bloody fight to get it back. Nasty fucking shit. Fucking assholes. I, I, I have a real problem with leftists. And conservative writers are too... Got their head up their ass too much. I don't even want to get into that one right now. That's a whole different analysis. But leftists are the soup du jour right now. Because this country seems to be absolutely hell-bent on just ushering in more corruptive big government. I'm taking a big walk around a huge school campus. It's beautiful, man. It's a beautiful thing. It's a big piece of premium real estate here in a nice suburb of Rochester. And they got construction. I mean, no expense spared here. They got a fucking huge Terex crane here. Pallets of carpets and drywall. I'm looking right at it. Well, they already got three, got three schools up here. 
Beautiful campus. I don't want to be in it. But see, they, these people, this employs a thousand people probably up here, maybe two thousand. And they're all uh, quote unquote middle class wage jobs. And, the, and, the t and everybody will aggressively defend this shit. That's the problem. It becomes mired. And meanwhile, the kids, there's some kids that like coming here. I don't want to stick my kid in here all fucking day long. No. I want my kid to learn how to be healthy, how to stay healthy, how to be a lifelong learner, how to figure shit out, how to create something that doesn't exist now. I want my kid to develop empathy so he's able to get along and love others. Not on a fucking fake sticker, went to school in your backpack bullshit way. I'm talking about really understand the human condition and its history and its challenges so that they're always pointing themselves into the wind correctly so they can take off and fly. Some might be able to do it like this. I think this is the gauntlet. This, you, you funnel everybody in on these fucking buses. There's bus lanes everywhere over here. This fucking place probably has 100 school buses on a school day. And you funnel them all in this motherfucker. And they all pile in here. And, they, and you sit down. It's 7 o'clock in the morning, too. It's an ungodly hour in the morning. I say that because the natural rhythm we're on now at my house, by the time we do our learning and our fun stuff and live life and enjoy stuff and take care of chores, it's 10, 11 o'clock already at night. And the kids go to bed naturally. You don't have to put them to bed. This is more of the bullshit in our society. But what are they, get up and milk fucking cows, you idiot? Shut the fuck up with that. If you want to do that to your kids, it's fucking child abuse, man. Enjoy it. It's child abuse, fuckface. You and your goddamn rules. That's why they hate you and rebel. And they act fucking weird. And then they go out and impose their dickhead shit on, on me. Because there's so many, so many of them, they all fucking get together. And hog up government resources and employ themselves in this rigid gauntlet that they perpetuate. Because you're too fucking lazy to step out of your own shit. You fuckfaces won't even read a book. You think you read everything? You don't do shit. You sit there, and you think you know everything, and you fucking watch shit on Trevor Noah, or whoever the thing is on Comedy Central or some shit. That's what half you fuckers do. Well, I listen to NPR. Therefore, I'm informed. Well, you know what, fuckface? I used to listen to that shit, too. Probably a lot more than you. I used to find jobs at, like, gas stations and shit when I was in college, so I could sit there and listen to it all night long. With my newspapers. So quit fucking telling me how much shit you know. Because I don't think I know shit. I know I'm out here digging. I suggest you do the same. So yeah, I, I, you know, see, I can't... I almost can't talk right now without going into some type of rant about aggressive leftists right now. I do think they created the Donald Trump. That, that's They created that. It was inevitable that there was going to be an insane backlash. And, and who knows where it's going next? I hope not total economic collapse for a minute. Because that's going to be horrible. So that's why I want to get in front of it as an economist. That's why I would encourage you to read and listen to books. Even the Communist Manifesto. It may help you understand the times. And don't go into it thinking you got to pick a side. You don't. You can try to understand why did Engels and Marx, why did they sit down and write this motherfucker? 
What were they trying to see? What did they see? What did, what did they think was happening? What was going on to have them sit and write a book about it? And oh, by the way, I do appreciate them stuffing analysis in the front of that book because I did learn, again, I got to sit down and digest this a little more, but it, the work was apparently somewhat corrupted right out of the gate and that it became, it went from being a, a thing that Engels wrote to a thing that Marx quickly finished, I think. Some of the details are fuzzy, but we'll get there. And rushed it into print so that it could be used as, a, uh, as an organizing thing for political action. So it, it went from being a piece of philosophy to being aggressive doctrine. And, you know, started you know, taking out governments in certain parts of the world. They didn't, he, didn't, he didn't mention that part, but that's what happened. Well, yeah, you had, had a lot going on in Europe back then. And a lot that I'm going to get to. I have not gotten to Frederick Nietzsche. Um, he mentioned Hegel. Um, I'm going to get around to all of these. There's a lot of, a lot of good philosophy going on in Germany back then. Freud even. My friend recommended all of those immediately. And you know what? I hadn't read any of them. I thought I knew what they all were. Like, think about it. Think about it right now. Be honest with me. When you say Sigmund Freud, half you fuckers are thinking sex. Or something sexual. Or maybe you'll think something like he used to do cocaine or something. You don't really know what the fuck he wrote. Neither do I. And I read a lot of shit. I try. But I, you, know, you can't get around everything. You can't watch every movie. You can't watch every show. You can't read every book. And you can't listen to every fucking band. Every piece of music, every style of music. You can't do it. It's not enough time. But you can distill kind of the, some of the classics, the gems, the great works. And you can try to extract out of those what's important. You know the best thing about schools, by the way? <laughs> they are such big, fucking, enormous pieces of land campuses. They're sculpted and nice and maintained with mowing and stuff. And there's no fucking dogs running out of a fucking house, somebody's house, barking and nipping at my legs. So I do like that a lot. It is going to suck when the kids come back here. <laughs> It'll be just overrun with fucking kids. You can't walk around here looking weird or talking to yourself. There's a bunch of fucking kids here. Because they're here to learn. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, boy. Yeah, don't worry about the fucking spit thing either. I gotta clear my throat or I can't talk. Get over it. Quit being a wuss. Quit finding an excuse not to learn something. Quit turning shit off because you don't like what somebody's saying. Quit being a dick. So yeah, Communist Manifesto will be the book I focus on this weekend. Probably will hear me talk about it some more. I'm guessing it's going to stir me up quite a bit for a lot of reasons. And for full disclosure, I just finished a lot of Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations. However, I
kids, you know, when I started with my late 20s, I was first teaching gigs. Kids would show up that weren't in my class. Follow marching orders, and the, and the kids. No matter if you got they even got the room quiet, they don't give a flying fuck about that shit. And why should they? Why should they care about what some bureaucrat sat around and pontificated on, and then Pearson Publishing published this tomb, you know, this eighty fucking pound, three hundred dollar textbook, the glossy textbook? Why, why should they fucking care about that stuff? I suspect. That if people, if, if, if humans, if your parents, if, you, if, if humanity knew what math was, like where it came from historically, what's the history of math? Give me, give me the fast version on YouTube first, and then if I want to go read the giant books, I'll do that too. We should all know the basic story, like where it came from. The fact that humans can even think like that, that's the, the beauty of it. But the animals can't think abstract like that. That's our special talent. But what good is it if we're not using it to... Make it better for humanity. If we're just using it to enrich the power class. And we're willing to enrich the power class because they throw just enough carrot, just enough, so that we feel like we're getting a nug too. We got a little bit too. Oh, I got a nice car. I got a pool in my back and back here. I got a fucking swimming pool, man. I got I got a nice big fancy new house. Well, you don't have any power. You're just a minion. And our whole school, our whole gauntlet's built to make the minions more and more and more and more powerful. The, you know, little Johnny, did, he got straight A. He was on a roll. He, he got a scholarship. He got a scholarship. He's, he'll be going to Columbia, Stanford, Georgia Tech. He'll be going to Emory. That's good. Then what's he going to do? Oh, he works for a hedge fund. Oh, he works for a tech firm. He works for Google. Sorry, Google. I love your shit. I do. I use Google all the time. I use Android. I love it. But when the best and brightest perpetually funnel into that organization, they don't make that organization weaker, man. Now, eventually, because of the things I'm trying to talk about, it all becomes somewhat bureaucratic and, and bloated and, and, and a little bit lazy and unable to think for itself. So you end up with a different Google 50 or 100 years from now. Of course, if nothing ever changes, the nature of the inequality and the, uh, the 0.01% is that they literally are getting so powerful and, and the technology, because I think that that class does already know what I'm pitching that we all do. They, they, they can stay abreast of viruses and biotech and fucking chemistry and physics and the fastest this and the best that. So, and they have unlimited resources to, to not only stay, invest, stay abreast, but to invest and be part of the ownership and the lockdown of the technology so that they become all-powerful, almost unstoppable. I think we, the people, humanity, 
We've got to stop thinking in terms of bringing death this or that down or payback or retribution or all this stuff. We've got to stop that waste of time. Because, by the way, whomever will put you down anyway. You're not going to win. Even if, let's say there was a complete violent overthrow of Trump and all Republicans right now. Let's say that, that, that people just say, ah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not putting up with it. We're going to kill them all. You know, old school style. All right. What makes you think somebody else won't come in and say, hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, take, taking it for us. We'll take it from here. Somebody needs more land one day. Somebody that doesn't trust you. What makes you think? What makes you think your aggressiveness is not going to spur paranoia to where Donald Trump's just a, that somebody spawns some nasty biological thing that's the, it's the uh, they call it the Donald Trump virus, if you will. It takes all you out because you guys have threatened so much everybody's, everybody else that's not wanting to be part of the gauntlet that you're fantasizing about. I'm not threatening you guys. I'm telling you, this is how it goes. It's how it's always going. And, and, and the solutions and the dialogue that I need your help perpetuating and getting generated and get to put, some, put a couple of logs on the fire. I got the spark going. I got a little, little, little campfire. But if we want it to become a bigger thing to keep us warm, I'm going to need some help and some buy-in, some, some help. And what I'm saying is, let's really live up to everybody knows everything. Because it's one of my economic assumptions, by the way, is that the cat's out of the bag. You know, people used to, remember when growing up, you'd hear, like, German cars are really good. Mercedes-Benz are the greatest cars in the world. And then later it became, Toyota's the best, Japanese is the best. But now, I don't know, I don't know, man. Everybody knows how to do everything. And if the poorest country on earth wanted us to get in the car game, not that there's necessarily a market for it, because we, are, we already make more than we can really do, we already are able to far supply far more than there's demand for because there's not enough purchasing power. And there's there's not a will to have everybody drive because people like the idea of just having the minions fucking groveling around on their bicycles or one foot or some dirt hut. People like that. But let's say the poorest country on earth wanted to get in the car game, assuming there was demand. Well, they don't have to figure it out from scratch. They can amass a team. Or hire an ex-executive by the same KUKA robots or uh, FANUK robots and build the same thing. And, I, and once you get to a Toyota Corolla, if you will, level of quality, let's say you go day one, you build Corolla. Well, after that, it's just petty bullshit styling stuff, isn't it? I mean, what more do you need than a car that gets 40 miles to the gallon and it runs for fucking 25 years and, and, and gets, you know, you can put 250,000 miles on it? What, what, what more do you need? Anyway, well, you might want more, but what more do you really need? Well, that's what I'm thinking. That humans have already figured out all this stuff, so now let's let's disseminate it in such a way so that we all can start to benefit from it all. And then, and then we can have the bandwidth and the luxury and the life and the leisure to then take on anything new that we think we need to take on, including inter interplanetary, or if an asteroid's come and actually deal with it, or if we have major climate change, maybe we find a way to survive so we don't die 
And some of you nihilists are like, eh, kill them all, die. I don't want to do that, man. I got little little kids. I want to just, why not? Why not just try to make it work? What the fuck else are you doing today? You doing shit? Everything you do when you're trying to prepare is because you think you want to be a star or this, that, or, you know, you're trying to get more of your selfish ass more shit. We all do it. I'm going to wrap it up. I don't want to torture you guys with super long ones. I mean, some days they'll be long. Some days I feel like I should. Some days we'll have guests. There will be guests. And they don't have to be big name guests. Sometimes the right questions or the right piece of the puzzle comes from the most unexpected place. And we'll let those conversations go as long as they want to go. And I'll try to record them in such a way that somebody's not holding a microphone so that they feel like they have to put on a performance or put a filter on. So the, minute, the minute you tell somebody you're hitting record, it changes their behavior a lot. Not everybody, but change a lot of people's behavior. Change them. There's a lot of bullshit out here, guys. A lot of dangerous currents, a lot of disturbing trends. Let's punch through. Let's figure it out, man. We can do it. We can, we should, we must. All right, y'all. Have a good day. Love you. Thank you for your support. Take care.